Welcome to Sober Talk. I'm Dennis and I have lived experience of alcohol. If you or anyone you know is struggling with alcohol, please call Alcoholics Anonymous on 1300-222-222 or check out their website on aa.org.au. I'll just run through the preamble of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other. They must solve their common problems and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses or opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. This is the second part of Carissa's story. You know, I I was just in such a such a state, but I I decided this day, you know, it was really hot, stinking summer's day, and I'm sitting outside in my kids' wading pool and I weighed about forty-eight kilos and I'm drinking a bottle of vodka and I downed a bottle of sleeping pills and and they didn't work. Nothing worked. And I thought, I might give this AA another crack. But I, the problem was I never knew whether it was day or night or what day it was. But the only way I could tell was if I turned the TV on and, you know, if sunrise was on, I knew it was the morning. And if the the nightly news was on, I knew it was night time. Um, that was the only way I could tell because we didn't have iPhones and stuff back then so that was the only way I knew what time of, time of the day it was unless it was you know pitch dark and it was it was night time so I got in my car and I drove to a women's meeting and then I continued to go to meetings and I detoxed and I um you know for the first three months I was off and on, like I'd, I'd not drink during the week, and then I'd drink on the weekends, and you know I tried different things, and in the end, I thought, no, nah, this is not working. So I just continued to go to AA, and you know I, I sobered up in Flinders Street, and I, I spent the, you know, my first year probably in Flinders Street, going to all of those meetings, and I tell you what, if you can sober up in Flinders Street you can sober up anywhere back in those days because it was just full of people that were, like, you know, homeless. The homeless people used to come in there all the sandwiches and have cups of tea and then leave again. And I, I just, I was just astounded. Like I'd listen to these people share and I'd just think, oh, my God, these people are amazing. They know everything, you know. Like I, I just wished that I I knew what they knew, like, what's the secret here? And it, there was no secret. You just come to meetings. You just do the suggested things. That's all it was. So, you know, I ended up getting sober and and it was amazing. And, I, you know, I had 13 years of recovery and it was great. You know, I did great things. I finished off my teaching degree. I, I ended up becoming a teacher in a really prestigious school. I brought my kids up, I went on camps, I I went overseas for the first time ever and then I ended up going overseas three times, bought a house, 
got engaged, you know, I spent my 30th in in bloody rehab and then I, I spent my 40th as a surprise engagement party and it was just amazing. But then a couple of years ago, you know, I stopped going to meetings. I made work my priority. I slowly dropped off. I wasn't ringing people very often. I just wasn't doing the things I should be doing. And um, one day I was driving home from work and I was having this terrible anxiety attack and I just thought, if I just have a drink, it'll just take the edge off and, and that's it. And I'll just have one and I'll be fine. And and I did. I, I went and had this drink. I stopped in at this pub and I had a drink. And that was it. I was gone. And I relapsed. And I relapsed hard for nearly two years. And I tell you what, when they say you pick up where you left off, I picked up and I went, I went so hard. It was absolute living hell. And because it was COVID, there was hand sanitizer around and I was drinking the hand sanitizer. I was drinking anything that had alcohol in it and I was completely insane. And at this point, suicide became an option and I tried to take my own life. I took every tablet that was in the in the cupboard. I even took the dog's tablets because he's got anxiety. Took the dog's tablets for when he goes to get his, head, his um, hair cut and goes to the vet. There were 15 of them in there. I took them. I took all of the, every single tablet I could find in the cupboard and I washed it down with a bottle of freaking aloe vera bloody hand sanitizer and I went and laid on the bed and I thought, all right, good night. Thank God, you know, I'm going to die. And then four hours later, I freaking woke up and I was not happy. And because I'd ingested so many tablets, freaking had double vision for two days it was awful oh my god I don't know what was in those dog tablets but bloody hell I did not feel good and um (laughs) it wasn't long after that but the dog had to have a haircut and my husband said oh those the tablets where are those dog tablets and I said oh I don't know (laughs) I had to make up an excuse oh I don't know where the dog tablets are yeah we, we got 15 of them remember you know Ellie and I went and got them not very long ago. I said, oh, I don't know. I said, I, I, I cleaned the medicine cup, cupboard out when I came came back. I don't know. Maybe I accidentally threw them out. He goes, bloody hell. He goes, they cost $150. You better find them. And I was like, oh, God, I can't tell him that I bloody took them. But, um, it, yeah, it was terrible. I ended up in psychiatric um, wards. I ended up in lock-up wards um, from first drink to hospital was generally seven days. I ended up in um, DASA about three times and I never thought I'd end up there because I, I used to go to Joslin all the time but since I'd built that new big DASA, I used to take the meetings there. I never expected to be a patient there and um, the detoxes were horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And then, you know, they found out that I was you know, unscrewing all the bottles of, um, (coughs) 
unscrewing all the bottles of hand sanitizer off the walls. So whenever I was going into hospital, they were removing all the hand sanitizer off the ward. So I had nothing. I had nothing, you know, because when I'd go in there, I'd blow, you know, two point something. And then three hours later, I'd blow three point something. That That'd be confused. I'd say, Chris, we can't work out why your blood alcohol level keeps going up. And, you know, did you bring alcohol with you? I'm like, no, no, they've already checked me. And they didn't realize that I was, you know, hiding this stuff. And it's like, well, you're never going to get better if you keep freaking drinking the alcohols hand sanitizer so so yeah it was awful it was absolutely awful and I scared a lot of people but um, I was lucky that I had some really really good friends in the fellowship that I'd been around for a long time and and during my years of recovery prior to this relapse you know, I was one of those people that I always hung out with old timers. I always loved the old timers. I loved talking to them. I loved hearing what they had to say. I just loved being with them. And, you know, they were the ones that were there. You know, I had visits in the hospital. I had people coming to see me. I had people bringing meetings to me, you know, and I was a mess. Um yeah, and it, it it took me took me nearly two years, and I'm almost five months sober now, and um, and I'm doing it, doing what I'm told. I'm doing it differently. I'm doing every suggested thing. I'm not just saying, "Oh yeah, I'm getting down on my knees." I am actually getting down on my knees and praying, and I'm asking for direction, and I'm trying to do the right thing, and. I'm going to as many meetings as I can and I'm doing as much service as I can because, you know, I'm still in early days. I'm in that first year and, um, you know, I'm trying to deal with this, you know, putting on a stack of weight in that first year because all you eat is sugar, you know, <laughs> sugar and caffeine. Well, I've given the caffeine away because I know it just gives me anxiety. So I, I know that from previous years, but, you know, I've put on a couple of stone and that's okay because I was quite underweight before. But, you know, I um, always love it when uh, I hear sayings like, you know, AA is always the last card in the deck, but it's always the ace. You know, there's so many cool little sayings in AA and um, and I love them. You know, I, I carry this little book around with me and I, I write a lot of them down and the old timers say, you know, if you can't remember your last drink, you probably haven't had it yet. And, you know, just little things like that. And, and I love them because they, they're funny, but they're also, it's, this is a deadly series. We live with a fatal illness. This is a fatal disease that we live with and, um, you can't muck around with it. You cannot muck around with it. We cannot rest on our laurels. We cannot for one minute think we're normal because we're not. And I know when I'm not running well that I need to be at a meeting. And my husband's know he knows as well. He, he says, why aren't you going to, because I pick up a member quite, quite a lot because he doesn't drive at night. He says, 
well, what are you, why aren't you picking him up tonight? I said, oh, he's having a night off. Or he goes, oh, you can still go. I said, no, well, no, we're going to do something different tomorrow night. And he gets worried. He's, he gets, well, you still need to go. So I'm really lucky that my, my partner's really um, supportive of me being in AA. And I'm lucky that, you know, he hung around. You know, we've been together for 22 years. And, you know, I've given him, you know, 13, 13 and a bit years of sobriety. But the rest of it was not a good time. And, the you know, the hell that I put my kids through, absolute hell. I terrified them as children and then I terrified them as adults. But, you know, I caused a lot of wreckage in this this last relapse, a lot. And I'm talking about financial, relationships. Um, I ne- you know, I'm lucky I didn't lose my teaching licence. Uh, but I'm really fortunate that because I'm doing all the things, the suggested things, they're slowly, slowly coming back. You know, my, my daughter's speaking to me, you know, from, you know, I saw her Christmas Day, first time I'd seen her for a year, which has been which is a step forward. Um I've got a job for next year which is not full time, but you know, that's good because, you know, I can be one of those people that gets obsessed about work and this suits me better. I'm cleaning up some of my debt and I know it'll take a year to clean that up, but I've got time. You know, so I'm not drinking, so I'm not wasting money on that and ambulances and stuff. So got an ambulance bill to pay off and other stuff, but you know, that's okay. I didn't lose my license, my driver's license. I should have. I didn't kill anyone. I probably could have. You know, there's a lot of things that I could have done, but you know, I'm here to here to tell the story. And you know, the stats for you know alcoholics coming into recovery that that actually stay in recovery is about two percent but I hate to think of what the stats are of people that come into recovery and have a, a substantial amount of recovery time and then go back out of what their their likelihood of coming back in and staying sober are like you know and I want to be that that person I want to be that statistic that stays sober because I don't ever want to go back to that hell. You know, it's absolute hell. And um, and I know that, you know, in my inner circle, the people that I hang out with, the, the people that are my closest friends, the ones that I, that I rely on, the ones that rely on me, the ones that were crying when I was nearly dead, the ones that thought that they were going to bury me, are the ones that said, you scared, the, the, you scared us so much that, you know, I scared one woman so much she started going back to meetings on a daily basis. <laughs> She's been sober for, you know, over 20 years. And um, I said, you know what, maybe that bust, you know, maybe that helped a lot of people see how bad it really is because people said, oh, I couldn't believe that you busted, you know, or you relapsed. And it's like it can happen to anyone. I've heard of people 40 years picking up a drink it doesn't matter. The days don't matter. You know, you just you just have to do anything but drink some days and it's a good day. If I've done nothing but not take a drink, it's a good day. But I have more good days than bad days now. I'm, I mean, I know I'm still in that first year and it's 
you know, almost five months, but I'm loving life at the moment, you know, because the gifts of recovery are coming back to me. The people I love are in the rooms. Uh, the people that never gave up on me are there. They're happy I'm there. You know, they didn't cut me off. They didn't say, we don't want to see you for a year. You know, they don't judge me. They just said, welcome back. Thank God you're here. You know, and and that's all we need. That's what alcoholics need. We need to be needed at the end of the day. We need to be loved and needed. And that's what we, you know, that's what all we want, you know. And for me, for my recovery, that's what I need. But I also need to be helping another alcoholic. And for me, I love picking up other people that can't get to a meeting and taking them there. And, you know, that's, that's the way I can give back at the moment because I haven't got enough time up to be of service in other ways in a, in a home group. But if I can pick up a member a couple of times a week that can't drive for whatever reason, that's great for me because we have a meeting in the car, you know, we have a chat about things and I, I don't feel so alone, you know, because, you know, often at meetings you have a talk to someone and you get interrupted or, you know, come on, we're closing the lights down now or it's got to go or you get there early and then there's so many people want to chat to and, but when we're in the car for half an hour and we have that talk and it's like, you know, we, you just go that little bit deep when, when you're sharing with each other and it's like, you know, this person's got so much time up and, you know, I'm right back to the start of of my dates. It doesn't mean I haven't lost what I learned in all that time, but to to hear that, we're both exactly the same. We both felt at home in the psych ward. We both feel at home when we're with people that are, you know, mental defects, you know, people that aren't quite right, you know, and that's okay. That is completely okay. And I, I'm really glad that, you know, I'm not glad I had the relapse, but I sort of am because it's brought me to a new level of recovery. It's brought me to a level of knowing that you, this is not something that you muck around with. AA is not a social club. It's not. It's it's your. It's a life support machine. If I don't go there, I will die. And I know that. I know that now since having that relapse. So, yeah, thank you for um, listening to me and God bless you all. And, you know, please just one day at a time, that's all we have and that's all I've got and that's all you've got. And together we can just get through this. God bless. We have local meetings uh, for the full week in the local area. Uh, Monday is Gala meeting at 8 o'clock. Tuesday is Elizabeth East at 8 o'clock. Wednesday is Elizabeth East at 8 o'clock. Thursday is Two Wells at 8 o'clock. And Friday is Salisbury at 8 o'clock.
There's a meeting at Davron Park at 12 o'clock and on Sunday there's a meeting in Salisbury at 7 o'clock and many other meetings in the area. For details of your local meetings, please phone 1300-222-222. And once again, if anyone you know is struggling with alcohol issues, please call Alcoholics Anonymous on 1300-222-222. The website is aasouthaustralia.org.au.